I think the people of this country have had enough of experts. I've had enough of Michael If Gove. you count the legal votes, we I easily win. It's time to take the bricks down. This candle smells like my vagina. It's supposed to be I shouldn't be up here. What I should be back in the school on the other side of the ocean. What the fuck is going on? Hello, I'm Mark Steele. Welcome to my podcast, where each week I ask the question, what the fuck is going on? What the fuck is going on? This week, it was reported that David Cameron made over £7 million from that green seal company. But there's no such thing as money for nothing. He did have to work for it. He sent 56 emails and texts. So, as he got seven million quid, his rate must have been £125,000 a pop. His messages must come in gold lettering embossed on the screen and speak in the voice of your favourite dead relative. Maybe they contain a secret code that leads to the Holy Grail. Now, at first, I thought all his messages were emails, but some of them were texts. So, like, emails were too much effort. Does he have a tariff? £150,000 for an email, £100,000 for just a text, £3,000 for an emoji. If you want me to put a kiss on the end, that's another grand. Now, Theresa May told us there was no magic money tree. But if there was a magic money tree, Cameron wouldn't be interested because that's too much like hard work. He'd have to actually walk to the tree and pick the money off it. He couldn't be bothered to go to all that effort. And even if the fruit of the magic money tree was £50 notes, let's say it takes one minute to pick ten. So even if you went at it without stopping, it would take an hour to pick 30,000 quid. He wouldn't work for that. So it would cost more to pay Cameron to pick money off a magic money tree than you could get off of the tree. The economics of it just wouldn't work out. Not only that, but if you tried to employ someone to pick the money, there'd be no EU workers to do it because they all went back to Europe because of the referendum he lost. So all the money would just fall off the magic money tree and go rotten on the grass. And David Cameron's main achievement as Prime Minister was to introduce a policy called austerity. He was very keen that we should be austere. He was sick of people taking more than they deserve. That's why he would tell stories every day, such as Trafford Council spent £3.25 on custard creams for a meeting. Why couldn't they make do with a cabbage? Lambeth Council wasted £25 on taxis in one week. Surely they know someone with a llama they could have borrowed and ridden that for free. When disabled people were getting their benefits cut, instead of complaining, they should have just got themselves a job like Cameron's and sent a few hundred texts. And then they could have bought their own golden wheelchair. And Ken Loach could have made a film called I, David Cameron, which went... I had to resign from my job and face a life of uncertainty. So I pulled up my bootstraps and sent 56 texts. Now I'm a billionaire. It's a classic riches to even more riches story. Now, some people suggest that Cameron only got this job because he'd been Prime Minister and he could use his contacts to get business for Greensill by calling Rishi Sunak or the German ambassador to the UK whenever he fancied. But that's unfair. Anybody can ring these people. Maybe Maxine from Port Slade can ring the German ambassador and go... Hello, Andreas. Yeah, you don't know me. I run a nail bar. Can you fix it so everyone in Germany uses my varnish? 
So it's nothing to do with his contacts. Greensill paid him hundreds of thousands of pounds because he's really good at writing text messages. Businessmen everywhere were going, look at that. He's put the lol in the right place. He's put M8 instead of mate, which is a, a nice endearing touch. I'm going to buy 10 million pounds worth of whatever he's selling. And as well as his salary, Cameron was given the use of a private jet to travel to his third holiday home in Newquay. And to be fair, when your job is as stressful as sending 56 messages, you can't scrape by with only two holiday homes because sometimes you'll need to go on three holidays at once. Cameron told the select committee that he'd worked for Greensill because I wanted to put money into small business. And that's heartening that he was thinking of others with barely a thought for himself. It was the same when it turned out he had secret accounts kept in Panama, but he insisted this wasn't for greedy reasons. It's because he was careful with money and he wanted to keep it warm. It's because his money had always wanted to travel and see a huge canal. And then Cameron said, there's no roadmap for ex-prime ministers. And yes, that is the trouble. Unless someone tells you, how can you know that it's cheeky to use your position as disastrous ex-prime minister to send 56 messages to ministers begging for money for a company you own shares in and lets you use its private jet? And now, apparently, Cameron is worried that his reputation is going to be tarnished by these revelations. This is a worry, but I think he'll be all right. I heard one person say, I always thought he was an incompetent, arrogant, grubby, talentless, grasping, catastrophic, pig-fucking, bullied and twat. So hopefully he'll get away with his reputation intact. What the fuck is going on? Now finding out what the fuck is going on in this world is far more than one person can possibly contemplate. So with me this week to try and explore the myriad of reasonings and conundrums that lie behind this question, Sean Walsh. I'm myself on. Thank you, Mark. Thank you so much for helping us to investigate this question. Sean, the first question I have, this is a massive subject. People have got upset about various things, Afghanistan and stuff like that that's going on in the world. Thank God some people are grappling with the really huge issue. There's an alpaca that right. has TB, right. and that means, according to farming regulations of some sort, the alpaca has to be put down, but mm. people aren't having this. OK, sorry, what's an alpaca? An alpaca. I've got no idea what... I've got no idea. I'm assuming if people are upset, it's a mammal. It's a mammal, is it? It's a, yeah, it's a sort of llama. You know llamas? You know llamas? No, you know llamas. I don't exactly oh, know what a llama is. You do. A lamb. No, a llama is... Is like a camel? <laughs> a llama is... A, it's, it's, it's related to the camel. Right, OK. A llama. Right, a llama, yeah, OK. Have various different sort of sub... Uh, subsection of llama, like all creatures, you know, and one type of llama is an alpaca. Now, an oh, alpaca so, okay. looks very, very... It, it looks like the, if you were to... If Disney was to draw a particularly cuddly sort of animal, it would come up with the alpaca. You couldn't invent one that was more cuddly. They're very beautiful oh. looking. They're very fluffy. They've got sort of quite straight necks and, you know, <laughs> okay. and then they're all fluffy. All right. They look, you know, really cuddly and beautiful <laughs> with big eyes. Yes. And so on. <laughs> now, therefore, the question is whether if a creature 
is so sort of endowed, yes. that means that it is more worthy of being sort of allowed to skirt round the farming laws than if it was just some horrible old cow that nobody cares about. Ah, I see. Yeah, well, uh, how old is it? Don't know. You don't know how old it is. Seventy-three. I don't. Seventy-three. Know. Get rid of it. <laughs> Absolute Brexit voting alpaca. <laughs> Off you go. Furthermore, the Labour Party, who yes. have not really said anything about anything very much lately, I sort of almost think when I hear, if I do hear anything from them, I think, oh, well, they still got a bit like if you saw a branch of Woolworths still working. Yeah, but that's not fair. You hear more about the Tories because they're in government. Yeah, you all right. Bit, you know, point, you're not going to hear about Labour until... I know, but you did hear about Labour on this issue because this was the one issue that Labour leader decided to speak out about. In fact, I think that he wanted the alpaca done away with. This is what Starmer's chosen to... <laughs> oh, <laughs> <laughs> How are we going to take down the Tories? Uh, kill the alpaca! <laughs> exactly. Oh, for... What a waste of everyone's yeah, time. Yeah, luckily, I, I wasn't aware of this, but luckily, yeah. quite a lot of people won't ever have heard of alpacas. <laughs> well, exactly! <laughs> they won't know what he's on about. I, I tell you, there'll be more of them than you'd expect. <laughs> so, the, the next thing that I want to know about, this is an important issue at the moment, the Premier League mm -hmm. has come back. And obviously yes. people are very, very excited about this. It yes. means that you know, after 17 months, people at last can go along and uh, hurl irrational, ridiculous abuse at players and so on in ways they've only been able to do in their living rooms and all that. Yes. But it started with... Now, you're a Queen's Park Rangers fan. Indeed. If you were a comedy writer, you couldn't write a funnier opening to the Premier League season <laughs> than Brentford beating <laughs> Arsenal. That is, right, isn't it? it? That is just beautifully written. Yes, but now, how are you with that then, as a Queen's Park, as a West London football? Well, so obviously I'm meant to be unhappy that Brentford are in the Premier League. I mean, they've got a new stadium. I think that seems to be the way these things go. If you get a new stadium, it's sort of guaranteed ticket yeah. to the Premier League nowadays. So they've got the new stadium, all the money, the infrastructure, all of that yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. But I'm just happy that Brentford have beat Arsenal. Arsenal are just shambles. They're kind of a joke. Don't you think? Every time yeah. I read anything about them, they're just... There's something immoral about Arsenal, isn't there? Do you think? Yeah. I, I'll tell you what I don't like is I went to the stadium once, not to watch a game, it was something to do with a charity gig, and there was so much leg room at the ground. Oh, yeah. And I hate that. I hate, like, leg room. You know, when people go, oh, you should go to the Emirates, lovely, very comfortable. That's not what this is about. No, 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 that's wrong. You should be in pain. <laughs> that's why in QPR everyone complains you go oh Loftus Road there's no room your shin's cut against the seat in front of you, you go, yeah it's great isn't it yeah 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 no, that's it's real yeah, yeah. football well at Sellers Park blokes come round with uh, those things the Spanish Inquisition used to have you know like balls with spikes <laughs> yeah. they just smack you know? exactly. people love it yes people love it you know the Arthur Way stand which um not only should it be condemned now, but really should have been condemned if it was in 1670. <laughs> <laughs> there is guaranteed an infrastructure disaster there in the next five years, I would say. People love it for that. Yes. Well, I think, I think it's great. Obviously, being English, we like anything that was successful crumbling and falling. That's what it is, isn't it? That's what... Sorry. It's not about the underdog. Can I just say, it's not about the underdog. Right. People mistake that. It's not about Brentford winning. It's about Arsenal losing. Why are they so disliked? 
if I give you my real opinion on that, I don't know. I tell you what, I don't know. It's a footballing question, this, is it? This is way beyond football, this question. I don't know if I agree with that. It is a footballing question. Is it? Yeah, Arsenal, the football team. You're not talking about the area or the tube station. No, I think, but it's a bit, uh, yeah, it's a sort of football. But people, you know, in Scotland, Rangers fans dislike Celtic, and it's got, uh, there's obviously all sorts of religious and political connotations to it and so on. And similarly, you know, Real Madrid was seen as the team yes. of Franco and stuff. So, well, it's the. I mean, I remember it was the most expensive club, even when they weren't top of the league. From my personal experience, and I don't know if Twitter will have a reaction to this, if anyone like has noticed this, or if you, indeed you have noticed this, but it seems to be the club that if you went to private school, oh. if you went to private school, you support Arsenal. So that for me is where my well, I'll tell you what, there is someone like... quite prominent in our industry who certainly went to, to private school, who, when Palace were promoted back in 2005, said to me quite earnestly, sort of almost as if he was concerned, he said, it's rather ridiculous, isn't it? I mean, that's because you're just going to be instantly relegated. It really is rather preposterous. <laughs> I really, I mean, don't you think I mean, just really divide? I mean, wouldn't it be just better if you just sort of stayed in the previous league? Because one wonders where... And that season, we drew we drew one all with Arsenal. Oh, and I did send him a message going, ergo, there is now no point in Arsenal being in the Premier League. Brilliant. Yes. I'll tell you a true story about uh, Adrian Charles told me this from when he was working. Oh, for... his, his, um, his dog jumped on me the other day at a park. Did it? Yeah. It jumped up at me and I wasn't expecting it. I screamed. I've quite a, like a girly scream. And I went, ah! And uh, I looked over and it was Adrian Charles. And I, I just How was said, he? With it? Was he all right? Or was he he was fine. I just said, I'm sorry, I've had a lot of coffee, which I had. <laughs> and then I felt really odd that I'd explained that to him. It must have been a strange... But he was all right about no, it. Very nice. You see a lot of people around uh, that way. Adrian, Adrian Charles yeah, and yeah. Uh, oh, Dominic man. West. Well, Adrian Charles told me from when he was doing the football punditry thing, he was mates with Lee Dixon. And Lee Dixon told him that when he was playing at the old Highbury... He went to take a throw-in and there was an Arsenal fan right behind him and the Arsenal fan goes, Oi, Dixon, you're a cunt. That's more like it. Right, and Lee Dixon says, I turn round, I was just getting the ball, I turn round. And he said, and this bloke had a child on his knee, was no more than three years old. And he said, and I said to him, what is the matter with you, mate, talking like that with a kid that age on your knee? And the bloke went, oh, don't worry, he thinks you're a cunt and all. That's fantastic. That's wonderful. I was at a Millwall game, Millwall QPR, and I saw a dad lean into his daughter, say something, point at the linesman, right? The little girl walked down the steps to the linesman and went, You're a cunt! He told her to do it. He had sent his daughter to go and <laughs> Good girl! You're a good girl! Exactly that! <laughs> exactly that! <laughs> I was at Sellers Park one week, a few years ago, when we were both in the same league, and Millwall fans at the start of the second half started singing, and I, I'll give you the entire lyrics. They started singing a song. It just went, "You take it up the arse," <laughs> and I thought, "All oh, right, okay. What? Well, all of us? One of us in particular? Are you aiming this at? You know, you're not saying this is a thing you find particularly negative, you know? But unbelievably, I swear this is true. They kept it up." For the whole of the second half. Oh, good. 45 minutes plus injury time. Stamina. I think that must be a world record for the longest that a group of people have sung you take it up the arse. <laughs> 48 minutes. <laughs> there can't have been anywhere in the world where that's been done for longer, can it? Um, 
I don't. Well, the dark web, maybe. But it should be the Olympics. Nobody can beat Millwall. It's gold for Great Britain. The take it up your ass singing contest once again. This will be sports personality of the year. Tyson Fury will be second. <laughs> So, a number of people have asked this. Can you tell me what the fuck is going on with the Marble Arch Mound? Six million ah, quid this has cost. Now That was six million quid? Six million quid. Now, I've not seen it. Have you seen it? I see it a lot. I don't live too what far. What is it? So, I'd seen it being built right. and didn't know what it was. It's just a big pile of... Do you know what it, look, I'll tell you what it looks a bit like? It's in Jurassic Park, I assume. Right. The big pile of dinosaur shit... Oh, yeah. That's what it just looks like. Well, you'd go and see dinosaur shit, wouldn't you? Well, it's... It must be quite a tourist attraction. Well, the, who's, so who's this... People are offended, aren't they? And they wouldn't they? Well, it's it's eight no. quid, or £8.50, I think, Brilliant. to go up this, and you go to the... And you get up to Marble Arch. <laughs> isn't that high, isn't it? It's only like going up the second floor of an insurance office. <laughs> In fact, I think it's on level with the Pratt across the road. <laughs> it is. But I think it's great, isn't it? Oh, is it? Well, I, I love the idea of tourists coming <laughs> over to, to London. We go, oh, look, hey, look, you know, you've got the Eiffel Tower. Yeah, look, get up there. The real tourist attraction is being at the bottom when they come back down and seeing their faces <laughs> and having a photo, you know, like at the ride, where you get a photo sometimes <laughs> of when you're on the ride and you have to pay for it. You go, look, <laughs> look at your miserable face. <laughs> That's what life really feels like. <laughs> Just in case you had forgotten on your holiday. You're on holiday, on vacation, are you? Walk up that hill, come back down. That's reality. OK? Now, there's a prick across the road. Go make yourself feel better with a tuna and cucumber baguette. Thank you very much, John Walsh, for explaining what the fuck is going on. stories that's been exercising a lot of people over the last few days has been the ongoing legal battles between Britney Spears and her father about who has ownership and rights to her music, songs, life. I don't really understand it to be honest but one person that does seem to have a handle on it all we're very lucky to have with us this week is George Galloway. Let me put it to you Britney's dad. Your atavistic considerations regarding the propriety of the musical magnificence to which you are fortunate to be paternally associated render you liable to nothing more than the ignominious descent into the moral cesspit which your daughter ampulsately identified as toxic for the greatest slogans that have inspired the oppressed to overcome their subordination have unquestionably been I have a dream I am Spartacus and oops I did it again that Britney's dad is why in your daughter's own words it is incumbent upon each and every one of us to hit you Mr Spears one more time Every 
year when the exam results come out, the older generation offers students their wisdom. Some of us reassure them with advice such as, oh, don't worry if you don't pass. Several world leaders failed their A-levels, but it didn't stop them rising up to become amongst the world's most horrible psychopaths. If the number of students who pass has gone up, then you get politicians complaining that this must be because the exams have become too easy. A Tory MP, Robert Halfen, said this week that... Grade inflation is baked into exam results. So from now on, exams should be combined with I'm a celebrity and students have to write about the causes of the First World War with their head in a glass case of snakes. When Usain Bolt broke the world record for the 100 metres, these people will have said, well, that's because the 100 metres is easier these days. 100 metres used to be 120 metres. They keep making it shorter. And loads of parents complain that education has become too soft, saying, the trouble is kids leave school now knowing rubbish like what Hindus do, but they don't learn the basics, like how to get your head kicked in in the changing rooms. Until recently, you were supposed to hate school. That was the point of it. If Ofsted had been around, they'd have written reports on some schools that went, some of the children seemed interested and appeared to enjoy the lessons. For this reason, we failed the school and shut it down immediately. It was an act of genius that schools managed to make kids get bored. Kids are naturally inquisitive. They want to learn. They're asking things all the time. Why don't lions get sunburned? Why aren't planets square? Do dead flowers go to heaven? Why did mummy call you a heap of cat mess and tell you to sleep in the garden? It's as if adults go, these kids are annoying asking all these questions. I know, we'll send them to school. That'll put a stop to that. School used to just be about memorising dates and lists. They might as well have tested students on reciting the Vanarama National League North in alphabetical order. Alfred in town, Blythe Spartans, Boston Stop. United, Brackley Stop. Town. Stop! What about AFC Fylde, AFC Telford United? We've done this before. Acronyms come at the start of the table. And nowadays, being made to memorise facts is even more pointless than ever. Unless you're going on the chase. Because if you need to know that sort of thing, you just look it up straight away. If you're at work and someone in your project says, Right, um, quickly, we need to know the three biggest towns in Finland. You wouldn't go... No, I'm not going to Google it. That's cheating. I learnt that in my exams, yeah. Uh, now, one of them's Helsinki. Uh, right, I know what I'll do. I'll fly out there. I'll have a look round. I'll be back in a month. When I was at school, history was all about dates. When was the Battle of Trafalgar? When did the Romans come here? Dates, 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 dates. But dates are usually the least interesting part of a story. If somebody met you one day and went, oh God, it was amazing. When I was on holiday, I was so dramatic because we were swimming and there were these sharks and we had to flee. You wouldn't go, yes, but when was it? Was it October the 9th? Was it November the 21st? What was the date? What was the date? The most important thing to learn about history when I was a kid was when was the Battle of Hastings? That's all we learned. Come on, when was it? When, 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 when? And I reckon even in 1071, most people had forgotten. They were probably going, oh, it can't be five years ago already, can it? Oh, no, I mean, it was 1069 when Ken got leprosy, so it must be. But now the government is determined to cling to this miserable aspect of school. Even PE and drama now are all about written exams. 
but this only measures who knows how to write things out in order. And exams are the worst way of assessing students, as somebody wrote. The teacher's impression of a student, together with papers from assignments, are a better basis on which to judge the student than any examination. Typical modern rubbish, only that was Einstein who hated exams and wasn't any good at them. I bet if Shakespeare was to sit an A-level English exam now, he'd fail, as one academic points out. Shakespeare creates words which don't exist, breaks the conventions of grammar, refers to unknown characters that are never introduced and never appear again. He just made words up whenever he fancied, and then 500 years later, examiners are marking essays going, this ignorant student doesn't know what a micanthwicket is. Two marks off. But there is one other element to education in Britain. And the Prime Minister should be honest about this and say, if you want your child to fulfil all the opportunities that society can offer, it's essential to teach them the basics of education, which is to make sure that your parents are wealthy dingbats. And this is a wonderful aspect of Britain, that even if you're a complete idiot, you can still do well if you follow that rule. Then you wear a long waistcoat and a monocle, chuck in the odd word of Latin, and even if you say, it occurs to me, ipso facto, that the squirrel, modus vivendi, is larger than the buffalo, everyone will think you're a genius. Oh, what the fuck is going on? Now this week, unusually, Pretty Patel was in the news for doing something controversial. She tried to deport 50 people on a plane, although it turned out there were legal objections that meant only seven of them could legally be deported. That's obviously a complicated issue. Luckily, I heard somebody on a phone-in show that managed to explain it all. Oh, I'm sick of it, Jeremy. I'm, I'm just sick of it. All foreign criminals should be deported, even if they are innocent. I heard that it costs £43,000 per person to be deported to the Caribbean. It only cost me 59 quid return to Malaga on EasyJet. So why are we sending them back first class? We have to get them out of the country, Jeremy, and send them back home. And, and, and why are we sending them home to places like Jamaica, where it's all lovely and warm? Well, that's where you go on holiday. No wonder it's so expensive. We should send them home to somewhere horrible, like here. If they live in Tottenham, send them home to Tottenham. That'll teach them. One of them had dementia, right? So we're spending all that money on deporting him and he won't ever remember it happened. We should give him his memory back and then deport him. Ah, oh, we're too soft. I'm sick of it, Jeremy. I'm just sick of it. What the fuck is going on? I've had some delightful messages sent to me from all sorts of people about the podcast, which is very kind. TC, big A on the hill, answered the question, are you one of my 42 listeners from Japan? With the answer, yes, I am. And um, I have no idea, TC, if that's true, if you're just winding me up. But thank you very much for sending me a message. And then Catherine Dow-Blyton, who is an actress in Emmerdale. And see, I am very, very impressed by this. Sends a message saying, what the fuck is going on? Henley Royal Regatta dress code has changed to allow women to wear trousers. Now, I had no idea. And I have to admit, this is a bit of a failing on my part in my understanding. And as a sports fan, I should have been following it more. But I've not really kept up to date with Henley Royal Regatta's dress code with regard to women. But they are now allowed to wear trousers. Why would that have been a problem, 
before? Is it a thing of rowing? Is it while they're rowing, while they're watching the rowing? Is it that Henley Regatta is run by fundamentalist Islam, that ISIS have been controlling Henley Royal Regatta for many, many years? Thank you very much, Catherine, for bringing that to my attention. Please do send me a message if you feel like it, or even if you don't, at Mr Mark Steele on Twitter. And we will, of course, respond to you in this bit of the show. What the fuck is going on? Now, it's not possible to have any idea what the fuck is going on if you only speak to people of your own age group. So luckily, I've bred someone who is able to sort of convey to me what might be happening from a youthful point of view. Elliot Steele, welcome as ever to the podcast. Hello. This week, it was announced that the city of Winchester has become the most expensive place to live because it costs 14 times an average annual salary to buy a house in Winchester. So I thought I'd love to ask you, house prices... Does this interest you that it would probably take you 700 years to earn enough to buy a house? Do you know what makes me feel like the biggest loser in the world is when they show what house prices were years ago when they were just giving out AAA credit rating. Yeah. And then I realise even if I had the amount of money I have now, I still wouldn't qualify for one of them. Right. So they wouldn't have given me a house back when they gave everyone a house. They didn't give you a house. No, I know they didn't give you a house, but you could just walk into a bank and they'll go, what do you do? And you go, I just have an ant farm. And they'll go, well, all right, well, here's £350,000. <laughs> and they'll go, oh, well, could I get three lots of £350,000? I'll get three £350,000 houses. And they'll go, yeah, sure, why not? That, that's actually ideal because then all the house prices will go up and you'll be able to sell them for a profit. Oh, by the way, you're only going to have to pay 200 quid back a month on this now a million pound you own the bank. And they'll go, oh, that's all right. I can afford 200 quid a month. My aunts will cover that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, sort of. I mean, I think it was only like that for a short amount of time. Most of the time it wasn't like that. What do 24-year-olds think that most 24-year-olds? They think, well, I have a bit, or do you just think, well, I'm just going to have to live wherever I can? Basically, what's happening, especially in London and New York, is they're allowing for foreign investment to basically money launder by buying property. So that's right, why... Right, Russian oligarchs by the Not just Russian way. oligarchs, it's mainly China. That's why the UK government is so afraid to speak out against China that's probably why me even saying this on this podcast will be edited out by the people who edit this podcast because we don't want to lose the Chinese market <laughs> or, or have anything funny in it. So, yeah, my generation does look at that and go, we're probably not going to own anywhere in London. All right, but this is where I think you sort of misunderstand what it was like to be your age when I was your age because it was easier to move out and get somewhere but not because you could buy a house, right? So the two sorts of places I lived in, I lived in a council flat for nine years in Lambeth and that council flat, it was easy to get it and it was three bedrooms and it was 40 quid a month and for a lot of the time I was there, that was paid for by housing benefit. But, and then you all went and marched against Margaret Thatcher and started moaning about her. Yeah, well, of course. What more did you... She literally shut down coal mines because she had the foresight to know that she was burning the planet. Yeah, that's she, why she did it. That's what she cared about, was the bloody environment. She yeah, was Mrs. Well, bloody Swampy Thatcher. Oh, she was never not padlocked to a tree, Margaret Thatcher. She didn't give a shit about the coal mines, other than she hated the miners. 
But that's nothing to do with it. This is the sort of council flat you could have, right? So lest you think that this was just me living like King Henry VIII. There was no heating in it except a little one by a fire in the living room. So you just had to run straight to it in the winter, turn it on and literally put your hands on it. Like yeah, it, it was, was £40 a week. What the fuck do you think you're going to be getting? It wasn't £40 a week. It was £40 a month. 40 a month? Yes, a or month. Or a three-bedroom flat and you're complaining. Yes, that the, yes the I am complaining. That the fire wasn't good no, enough. It was fucking freezing. It was so cold. Because it's £40 a month. My phone cost £40. <laughs> quid a month but before that right when i first moved out from grandma's house i lived in a squat at the back of gypsy hill station and i reckon the state of those squats there was one room with no floorboards in it so it actually looked like if you trip over there you'll just land up in space yeah. you just carry on till nowhere until you end up floating in that past comets you're living in a place for free why are you surprised at any of this <laughs> if someone gave me a place for free and they went if you fall through that floor you will go through a black hole and end up in space i'd go well that's fair enough i am living here for free there was an outside toilet you think oh, you go outside and there's a toilet and then you shut the door. No, it was outside. It was just a sort of pan and there was a sort of room, but it wasn't enough for you to actually sit on it without your knees poking out. So if you leant forward, you could see the junkies next door and they go, oh, right, fuck, yeah. Were that. you living in some dystopian sci-fi movie? <laughs> yeah, 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 we were. Yeah, but that's the sort of life you've been missing out on by being born in 1996. Poor you, who got a three-bedroom flat in Lambeth, which I know someone who lives in Lambeth now, and they pay 780 quid a month, and there was a stabbing outside her house the other day. <laughs> £780 a month for a room. That's not for the whole place. That's her mm. room. The, the toilet's outside there as well, actually. There is a door. So it's not changed. They've just, it's probably the same flat, but it's 780 quid. Your generation really, really has done a number on us. I think that's what we can take from this. <laughs> yes, I think we have. And I'm sorry, and I have to feel personally responsible. But we're going to send that to the housing minister, whoever that is, and um, hopefully they'll listen to that and sort it all out by next week and reinstate squats with bottomless rooms. Thank you very much, Elliot Steele. What the fuck is going on? Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. If you've liked it, Please subscribe, at last I've remembered to tell you that. Please rate it, and if you can be bothered, write a review. And if you can't be bothered, please write a review anyway. There can't be anything that you've got to do in your life that is more important. If there's anything at all that you think I should be finding out what the fuck is going on with it, please send me a message on Twitter, at Mr Mark Steele, and we will do our best to look at all the messages that you send. What the fuck is going on was hosted by me, Mark Steele, with my guests Sean Walsh and Elliot Steele. Voices by Sarah Alexander and Pete Sinclair. It was written by Mark Steele, James Serafinowicz and Pete Sinclair. Music by Willie Dowling. It was produced and edited by Scott and Matt of Podmonkey. What the fuck is going on is a co- production between Podmonkey and Consec Industries.